The world is changed. Uh, yeah, it's 2020, so yeah, a lot, I guess. I feel it in the water. Huh, you mean like your LaCroix water there? You, you feel the bubbles, the, the light flavor? I, I don't know what you mean. I feel it in the earth. Uh, honey, that's carpet. We're, we're in the closet. I smell it in the air. Oh, come on, I just showered. Much that once was is lost, for none now live who remember it. Remember what? Christy, War of the Realms came out like a year ago. It's hardly ancient history. It began with the... Wait, what now? War of the Realms, the comic we're covering? W-O-T-R? W-O-T... Oh, no. What? I thought you said L-O-T-R? Oh, boy. You thought we were covering Lord of the Rings? Do we need to give you some time to read? Uh, a little bit? I'll take some quick time and then, uh... We'll talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to the first of our two-part coverage of... Wait, wait, wait. Double-checking notes. Yes, War of the Realms. Yes, War of the Realms. (laughs) This is the most recent crossover we have ever covered. This is the first crossover we've ever covered that I read as it was coming out. Oh my goodness, we did it. We've been doing this podcast too long. Yeah, we... Yeah, we this podcast is <laughs> this podcast is older than War of the Realms. Mind blown. Doing doing the the very visual mind blown gestures here that work really well in podcast form. Yeah, that's why I made some fun noises, some little pipus, some That's great. Thank you. Your sound effects are always incredible. My sound effects are always terrible readers. I don't know what like essential part of childhood that I missed where every kid learned how to like do sound effects, but I missed it. You were probably reading books. <laughs> Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> well, we don't really have any new business to cover this week. There's, uh, we don't have any new patrons. But we love the patrons that we have. That's true. Thank you, folks. It, you, because of you, we're we're going to have some things that we're covering coming up here in December. Oh, that's right. We're going to be covering the Muppets, the Muppets uh-huh. Christmas crossover. Uh-huh. Don't be too much better or I'm going to have to read Watchmen. <gasps> Did we say Watchmen at 100? I kind of think so. Oh, boy. We are. We're not that far away. I think we're in the in the 70s or 80s. Yeah, so stay, we're, we're great right where we are. Don't get too much more generous. Like, I think this is perfect. Or Christy's gonna have to, have to hear a lot about Rorschach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thought I left that behind 10 years ago. Nope. Watchmen is always evergreen, unfortunately. They <laughs> <laughs> cannot leave it in the past. All right. Well, thank you to all of our current patrons and everybody who's reviewed us on iTunes. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't like what they've done. I'm just saying that we don't have new business. Right, right. And you're very pointedly calling it out. 
Well, we don't have anything new or interesting to talk about. I thought my sound effects were very interesting. Guess we'll just have to talk about this comic that we're supposed to be covering. All right. Yeah, maybe we should get into the summary. Yeah, let's do summary. War of the Realms 1-3, through three, written by Jason Aaron, penciled and inked by Russell Dodderman, colored by Matthew Wilson, lettered by Joe Sabino, edited by Will Moss, Sarah Brunstad, and Tom Bravort. Issue 1. The dark elf Malekith has been waging a war in the Ten Realms for months and has left devastation in his wake. The only realm remaining is Midgard, Realm of Mortals, which is soon to be the prime target. In fallen Asgard, Odin sits alone on his throne, contemplating his fate before being attacked by dark elf assassins. Back in newer Harbor, Thor sits with his faithful dog, Thori, when Loki suddenly appears, all beat up. Dark elf assassins follow, and Thor handily defeats them. Loki claims that while planning to betray Malekith, the dark elf lord betrayed him first. Thor demands to be taken to Malekith to end this stuff by utilizing the sinister Black Bifrost. However, they are suddenly in Jotunheim. It turns out Loki wasn't Loki, he was Malekith all along, and the Frost Giants that have teamed up with him ambush Thor. Back in Midgard, specifically in New York, of course, Malekith's forces invade. The Avengers and several street-level heroes... And Wolverine, I guess, join with Thor's mom Freya and other Asgardians in fighting these baddies. Mid-fight, the Lord of the Frost Giants, Laufey, grabs Freya, but his hand is blown apart by his biological son, Loki. Malekith and his giant tiger rip into Loki, but he is given the assist by Doctor Strange just in time to tell Freya where Thor is. However, before he can do much else, Laufey chomps him to bits. Gross! Things are looking pretty dire, and we see back in Jotunheim a blood-covered Thor deep in battle rage. Issue 2. The Sanctum Sanctorum is being used as a stronghold for refugees while the Avengers hold off the forces of Malekith. Black Panther cannot use the Avengers teleporter to get everybody out because Roxxon is hacking them, and Doctor Strange is being thwarted at every turn by Dark Elf War Witches. Punisher is going absolutely wild with Wolverine while Freya fights the Queen of Angels and Spider-Man is woefully out of his depth fighting Cinder, the fiery queen of Muspelheim. Jane Foster arrives with the last Asgardian boat out of the Bronx, just in time for Odin to arrive with his Valkyrie. Freya explains the sitch, and Laufey whacks Odin out of the sky. Brunhilde the Valkyrie picks up Jane, and Jane reveals that she was the former Thor. Jane also demands to be taken to Malekith to defeat him once and for all. However, Valkyrie wants to claim that honor for herself, and instead, Jane strikes down the War Witches, allowing Doctor Strange to cast his wide-range teleport spell. Brunhilde is left to fight Malekith alone while the heroes make some plans. Daredevil is going to assist in getting back the Shattered Bifrost. Freya and her team will destroy the Black Bifrost. Captain America and a crew will get back Thor. And Captain Marvel and her team will defend the Earth. But poor Brunhilde, having held the line, is brutally defeated by Malekith. Issue 3. Cap has given the Great Axe Yarnbjorn a favorite of young Thor's before being tasked with his Thor-finding mission. 
The blind Heimdall offers his sword Hofund to Daredevil, who takes it and is given godlike senses, which brings back the Bifrost. Jane Foster, who has been made all-mother in Freya's soon-to-be absence, warns Daredevil that Malekith will come soon to disrupt the bridge, and they'll need to hold as long as they can. Cap's team is almost immediately ambushed on their flying horses by frost giants, and in Svortalheim, Realm of the Dark Elves, a disguised team led by Freya are quickly found out and use Ghost Rider's car to plow a path to the Black Bifrost. Malekith takes the ebony blade from a fallen Black Knight, only adding the mythical blade to his arsenal. Captain Marvel and her war avengers bring the fight to him, while Daredevil and crew's position is compromised by the arrival of Dark Elves. In Avengers Mountain, Shuri and Tony assist a group of dwarves in forging a weapon, but frost giants approach from the ocean. The rest of the world is also in for the fight of their lives, with Roz Solomon having found Roxen's base in Antarctica, Namor fighting fire goblins under the sea, and the Dora Milaje fighting literal angels. The FF holds down the fort in New York, the final defenders of the city. Cap and crew finish off the frost giants, only to hear the screams of Thor. Freya and her crew get ready to destroy the Black Bifrost, but she senses a terrible thing. The Rainbow Bridge has been destroyed by a dark elf bomb, and this is now the only bridge between worlds. They have to hold the line. Cap and his team arrive to find a pile of frost giant corpses, and an enraged and bloody Thor. So, Christy, you have now twice read this crossover. What What are your general thoughts on it? I have really enjoyed this read-through. And I remember distinctly reading it for the first time and being like, I don't know, this is a whole lot. Um, I, would, I was like, I need to read this because I'm reading Doctor Strange and Squirrel Girl and, like, the tie-ins were happening. And I was like, I need to know what's going on in this event. And everybody says it's really good. And then I was like, oh, there's a lot of, like... The like Norse mythology and all of this stuff going on that I don't know that I really like understand. And I'm like, this is a lot, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make it through it, and I did. But I don't think I I super loved it then, but I'm enjoying it now. It is a lot like another crossover we've covered, which is War of the Gods, the Wonder Woman crossover from the early '90s. Mm-hmm. This is well, this isn't the end of this run. This is kind of the big culmination. Of Jason Aaron's, like, nearly 10-year run on Thor. Right, which I hadn't been reading right. at the time, so. It, it's not the end, per se. There's 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 more that happens after it. And mm-hmm. then it, it concludes with this, like, far future thing. Mm-hmm. But I would, to me, this is kind of a bigger conclusion. But I do think it does a pretty interesting job in, like, explaining things. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't necessarily need to know about, like, what a fire goblin from Muspelheim is, or... Right, which at the time, I don't think I'd fully gotten into my mindset of, eh, you don't have to know it all to read it. Like, I don't think I was to that point in my comics reading yet where I didn't care if I didn't know everything. Well, there's still people who are like, if this isn't explicitly spelled out at all times, I, it's a bad comic. As opposed to like, just like, to to some extent, when you were reading serialized superhero fiction, you just gotta, you kind of have to go with it sometimes. Right, right. Uh, so I think that mindset shift for me has helped, but also just having read more comics. I mean, I mean, I know a little bit more about Thor, maybe not even much more than I did then. 
I think you would enjoy this run on Thor. And I know Thor is like not a like Christy hero. I mean, I really enjoy Thor in a, in any like team book that I see uh, him in. I just like him because in general, he's just like a really good guy. Yeah. Like Tony, Tony Stark kind of stinks. Oh, Tony's awful in this. I, and Cap, I mean, I Cap don't read a good, lot of things with Tony in it that I like him in. Right. But this is not mm-hmm. an exception. And Cap is good, but he tends to be pretty serious. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just like reading Thor because he he's like a little bit of like a, like, he's kind of jovial and he's very strong, but he's mm-hmm. like a good dude. Yeah. And he, he gets those comedic bits that aren't like funny because he's a jerk or something. Right. A, a lot of times he gets those fish out of water. Bits. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's not overdone. So it's good. It no, works. It's, it's always pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's a bit from Hickman's Avengers where he's cooking for everybody. Like, and he said, like, I have, I have made a, or like, I've, I've grilled several burgers and I've attempted like, like a terrible thing called hot dogs or something. And he said, <laughs> I, I tried a lobster, but the beast defeated me. <laughs> and then someone's like, I'd like a hot dog. And he goes, like, what bravery, two hot dogs each. And it's just really good. And it's like such a Thor thing. Like, I'm just imagining him trying to grill a lobster and just getting frustrated with it. <laughs> And that's not this, but right. Thor doesn't have a ton of like amazing runs. Mm-hmm. The current one is definitely not one of those. I'm already not very fond of it. Okay. <laughs> I haven't been reading it, so. <laughs> not worth it. But there's the one from the 80s that we did read a little bit of in our Mutant Massacre coverage. And oh, you, yeah. And you really liked it. Yeah. There's that run and this run. And there it's like hard to tell ultimately like which one is better. I mean, I think the one in the '80s had a better ending, but I think this one from the 2000s has higher highs. We're not a podcast that ranks things, so we don't need to. We don't need to rank things. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, like, like this is this Jason Aaron for for like some critiques that I have for him, especially with his like his Avengers run mm-hmm. right now, which just seems right fine. His Thor is awesome. It's great. And uh, I think he really nails a lot of the Thor and Thor adjacent mm-hmm. characters in this book. And then it's kind of interesting how he writes some other ones. Mm. Like, Jason Aaron, good at Wolverine. He's written a lot of Wolverine in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Aaron, good at Thor, good at Odin, good at Freya, good at Jane, good at Brynhilda. Kind of weird with Spider-Man. <laughs> Mega creepy with with Iron Man. Yeah, like he just. It's funny though because like no one seems to be like, oh, what a what a charismatic guy. It's like Jason Aaron like really doesn't like Iron Man and just right. wants to write him a particular right. way. <laughs> it, I, you know, it, you can enjoy it thinking about it that way. Like as long as you're like, oh yeah, we're not supposed to like this or think it's good. I don't know like, if, if he was trying to write him as charismatic, like not doing it for me i don't it which is weird i think if i felt to myself like oh my god i can't fight all these pretty angels for some reason i don't know if it reads quite as weird as this guy who is like such a like a player type guy going like right get all these pretty babes Mm -hmm. do you think it was weird there were angels in this i don't i don't know that i don't i'm I'm not there are no angels in norse mythology okay I didn't know that, so no, it wasn't weird to me. That's what the Valkyrie <laughs> kind of are. They added this in because the Ten Realms is not a thing. It's the Nine Realms. Mm. They added a secret Tenth Realm because at some point, Marvel managed to get the rights to a character called Angela, 
mm. who was originally from, I believe, some image stuff, maybe even Spawn. I might not have been Spawn, but this was a Neil Gaiman created character that somehow he managed to retain rights to and sold them to Marvel. Okay. And Marvel was like, look, we have this, this, this redheaded scary lady. Um, you've seen Angela in Strike Force. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. They retconned it so that Angela was Thor's older sister. Okay. Who was supposedly killed by the Queen of Angels. There's a bit that references it where it's oh. like, like I, I'm here to like stab more of your kids when the right. Queen of Angels is Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But then she was just taken and raised as one of them. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. But- the angels being the angels are now a tenth realm, but it, I think Odin was, like at some point sealed them off, and then they got like discovered again. It's also heaven without an A, thus making it distinct from actual heaven, which, <laughs> which also exists in Marvel. It's like the hell with one L. Yeah, although that that's real. I mean, in the in Norse mythology, mythology. yes, yeah. heaven is heaven with no A is not right. Right. I mean, it just seems like it fits the the flavor of the the naming mechanisms right. there. Heaven's like barely biblical, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. But heaven, no a, is where all the scary angels come from, and they find a lot of angels in this. In this <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I just did a lot of explaining. I need I need some. Well, so I did read some, not all of, but some of Jane Foster as Thor. Was that also? This was prior. Okay. She lost her powers at the end of her run. Uh, she defeated the Mangog, which is like this god-killing monster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They reference that here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and th- that kind of lost her powers. But a lot of people never knew who that Thor was because right, you know, right. she looks so different. Mm-hmm. Which I enjoyed it, but also it was it was a lot. It was a, it was a really heavy comic for me, so I did not. Yeah, that's fair. It, it, it. It's kind of always that way. It's yeah. Not, that is one thing about Jason Aaron's Thor. It has moments of levity, but it is generally like, it's almost, it's like the equivalent of like someone painted like a heavy metal mural on like the side of their van. I feel like that's what it is, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not sure how I feel about that like, metaphor. <laughs> it's, it's just like this. It is like, it's like rock fists <laughs> the, the whole, the whole time. Okay. <laughs> There's some really good stuff. There's some funny stuff in the Jane run. Did you read any of the the stuff where she had to go and have a god off with the Shi'ar gods? Mm. It was great. That does sound pretty fun. <laughs> it was pretty good. Like, she had to go be a better god than them for a little while. <laughs> it was amazing. That run's good. That was also, part of that run was illustrated by Russell Dodderman as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was almost like his tryout for ah. this. I don't know for sure, but that was that was like his first high-profile Marvel work that I remember. One thing, and Marvel finally got smart about this with this crossover. Yes. They finally were like, we really need to make it so that we have consistent art teams on a crossover. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a thing you, you don't appreciate until you don't have it. <laughs> And I don't, I don't know what, what changed their minds. And there's, there's, there's things that aren't doing that. Obviously, like X of Swords does not have a consistent art team because it's a million bucks. Right. And three of them come out a week. Right. Um, but Empire had a consistent art team. Mm-hmm. Absolute Carnage, which came out kind of between those, also had a consistent art team. It is looking like King in Black, which is coming out. 
also is going to probably have a consistent, I think, a consistent art team. Love that. Yeah. It's so good. It's like a no-brainer, too, because if you're leading up to it, you should probably know what's go- what it's going to be like months and months in advance. Yeah. So there's like almost no reason why not to. Mm -hmm. This was like the start of it. And then they like followed it up with like House and Powers, which, you know, debatably a crossover, but a big event nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we have to have a consistent art team. Yep. It's a good call. Such a good call. I would rather my comics take longer to come out and have a consistent team. Right. I No, that's that's really fair. I, I know like there was a lot of rush with the Dawn of X. Uh, stuff coming out so frequently and like reading Marauders, like the art team being inconsistent throughout the run, even just kind of, I was like, well, it, it's, it's not like terribly jarring, but yeah, I think Marauders, they've at least tried to keep it with like mainly two pencilers, like Matteo Lolly and Stefano Caselli kind of mm-hmm. rotating, but there were a couple other people in there when they were double shipping. Yeah, that's true. And that is a little bit more jarring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And that's, that's, I think that's why a lot of people like uh, independent comics, like image comics, even with their long runs, they will just take like a six month break and not come out with any comics just so like the artist can catch up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, boy, wouldn't, wouldn't mind that. But yeah. then you're not making all that consistent money. There's, there's got to be a way to do it though. Mm-hmm. Comics be better. Comics be better. <laughs> I almost went on a went on a, a tirade about something completely different, but I I, I think that's a, a huge strength of this comic, mm-hmm. and not to mention the fact that it's two powerhouses. Russell Dodderman, great. Even if I have the critique of sometimes like the way he draws women's lips, like yelling, it's like mm-hmm. a little. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and there was a one of the pages with Reed Richards. He looked like um oh what's his face from The Office? Who's that actor? John Krasinski. That was on purpose. People have, have, I'm sure, people have fan cast John Krasinski and Emily Blunt as <laughs> as Reed Richards and Sue, and Sue Storm like a lot. I was just, I was like, flipped to that page and I was like, that that's him. Like <laughs> John Krasinski kind of has like a softer chin than a lot of like I, I think, uh, especially when he was in the office. And and a lot of times Reed is not drawn that way. He tends to draw be drawn with I think more of a square chin. But they specifically kind of made that oval. Mm-hmm. I, I was mean, like, there was some, some facial hair going on there, too. Right, right. Mm. They were barely in this. It was just like, hey, they didn't fight for a while, but now they are, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it was interesting that the Punisher is kind of in this? Like, I'm, I'm like, did Jason just really want to use the Punisher? He, I mean, I don't, I don't question those decisions, <laughs> really, in a crossover, anybody's fair game. It's so, pre- yeah, I'm assuming that's got to be, like, a Jason choice there. Yeah. I think he's written some Punisher, but I, I I can't remember. And everybody seems super surprised that Wolverine's there, which because he was dead. I, but and there's no explanation no. as to why he's <laughs> back. And that's just fine, I guess. Uh, right? There was a mini series that explained it, but I don't. I honestly don't even remember what happened in it, and I don't care. He was just very drunk for a very long time. This. What what the explanation that we get, and I think that's fine. For a bit, he was like encased in adamantium. Sounds like a, a real bender to me. Yep. <laughs> Jason Aaron brought him back in a one shot, and he had like an infinity stone. And you're like, "Whoa, Wolverine has an infinity stone!" And then he like just go just gets rid of it. And you're like, "Oh, all right." So that was just for like one panel. Okay, cool. Neat, neat. Sometimes Marvel really buries their their uh, their hooks a little bit. <laughs> Oh. So, 
I remember really enjoying the Squirrel Girl tie-in um, with the Frost Giants well, in Canada. Canada. Yep. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Did you read any of the other tie-ins for this that you really enjoyed? There's one that the McElroys wrote. Oh, what was uh, what was that one? Sorry. Thor has like a baby sister or something, and they are spiriting this child across the U.S. because uh, the bad guys are trying to kidnap them. Oh. It's just called Journey into Mystery. Like, oh I, yeah, and it had Miles Morales, Balder. Oh, I love Balder. Do you love Balder? Yeah. I really enjoyed him when we read, oh, what was the one when- Siege? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Balder was great in Siege. The younger Hawkeye. Okay. So Kate Bishop. Yes. So, so the kids with the kids. And, yeah. and Balder's there too. It also had Wonder Man in it. Wonder Man. He, he can, he's an energy person. He was in, you remember him from House of M. Oh, Okay. Where there's a, he was like in the alternate universe, like one of the only non-mutant superheroes. And they're like, are you dating Carol Danvers? And he's like, well, well, I'll never tell. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They were in a van and they were, oh, and Thori the dog was with them. Mm, mm. Thor's dog who uh, likes to do, likes to do murders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. I don't remember the name of Dr. Strange's ghost dog. Bats. Bats. Yeah. Like him. Like him yep. a lot. Love bats. The, we get two dogs in this event, and, you know, that's great. Bats is, like, the only thing that Donny Cates has made that I've really enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I had a really high, like, Donny Cates, like, gonna love this guy because of the tail end of that Doctor Strange run. Right. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's the ghost dog and, like, all uh-huh. these rules. And then I was like, well, I don't really like anything else. <laughs> I'm feeling that's like like gossip. I don't know. I'm like that's just my opinion. Yeah. Yep. He's people love him. He's got that Venom run. Mm-hmm. He's got that Thor run. Mm-hmm. We're gonna lose a lot of listeners. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thrilled for his success. I just uh, I bless I, his heart. It was that was like my favorite thing he's ever done. <laughs> Bats is great. Bats is pretty good. Um, you loved that Doctor Strange run. It was like one of the things you 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 read, and you yeah. don't know you don't read a ton of monthly comics that at this point do not start with X. Yeah, yeah. You love Doctor Strange. That was a Jason Aaron as well, which Jason Aaron pretty decent at writing Doctor Strange in this even. Uh huh. Yep. Fair. Did you like the the split that we get in issue three, or did you think it muddled the crossover too much? Oh, them on the two different missions? The three, the three, four different missions. Four different missions? There was the Daredevil mission where he's like picking up the sword and then he's like, it's too late, mother. I've seen everything. I feel like I got it this time. I feel like the first time I read it, I didn't get it. I do love that they're just like, we need to rebuild the Rainbow Bridge. Heimdall's blind and Daredevil's like, I too am blind. <laughs> and that's like all they needed as an explanation. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, I, sure. I was like, yeah, Neat. but it's just, I love that that was like, that was what they said. Like, <laughs> correct. These things are the same. I do like that when he picked up the sword, though, it didn't say that he could suddenly see again. It was that he had, like, godlike senses that were, mm-hmm. like, even more, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. It was pretty to look at. I enjoyed it. Yeah. 
Well, you you got that. You got Freya going to to um, Muspelheim. No, Svartalheim. One of the Heims. Yeah, to to Svartalheim to to go destroy the Black Bifrost. They are disguised for a full three panels, <laughs> and then like Frank Castle starts shooting elves. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, how did they think these costumes were going to work out? I did like that they they pulled a Star Wars and they're, they're like, they're like, Jen, you got to wear these manacles. And she's like, we have a troll. <laughs> yep. It was literally like a st- like a Star Wars. Oh, uh, I did enjoy the the trolls appreciating Jen. Like I saw her first. <laughs> Big lady Q. Don't we all have that reaction? Big lady Q. <laughs> Big lady Q. This is She Hulk has has still kind of been like big like big lady rather than kind of the way she used to be. That's that's still true. Mhm. I feel like there were bits of this where she she seemed a little bit like like Jen, but definitely bits where she seemed like 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 no brain Hulk. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, kind of your, yeah, your, and it's, I, I don't know what was causing one or the other to happen, right? Because she, she would say stuff like in her Hulk form, like all this gamma power has got to go somewhere, and then she'd be like, Jen hit people and stuff. I was like, mm, that was a little inconsistent <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair. Uh huh. And I know, like, there's different points where she has been a uh, very articulate Hulk and very not. And I think what right now she's not. Or right. She's, yeah. And that's still fairly true, I think, even right now in comics. Right. That's what I was saying. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought, I thought that you thought I meant right now is in in this event. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want smart lawyer Jen back. I'm sorry. It'll happen eventually. I want her to go to court. She needs to do lawyer things. What if she stays big but is still his lawyer? I am fine with that too. Okay, that sounds good. Big le- big lady in tight suit, pretty. <laughs> big lady in tight suit, pretty. <laughs> Christy has lost words. Oh. Did you think that taking Thor off the table for like a big chunk of this was a cool idea? Um. So. It did feel kind of strange because it was like, hey, here's this Thor event and then poof. And it's not like Thor's hardly in it at all. So I feel like narratively, um, things still like progressed in an interesting manner. And you had a little bit like I felt like maybe more should have happened with Thor. Not that like losing his arm, like there was a lot. Well, apparently he happened, lost. But he lost just... his already lost arm. That oh, okay, was that's right. Yeah. So like he got he got real beat up. But I was like, I don't know. Like I, it could have been a cooler reveal. I don't know. He, he was just just fighting giants. I did like that. It was it was just two panels after he was, and they were like progressively grosser. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty neat. He is. I know you haven't read the rest of this, whereas I have even recently. He is in a lot more of it later. I, think, I feel like I remember that because mm-hmm. mm-hmm, I've only I only read the part that we were covering in this episode again. I've yes. read the whole thing. Do I remember all of the details? Mm, I feel like I remember more of the Squirrel Girl tie-ins than I do of the main event. That's fair. Uh, this is also a Thor Sans Sans Mjolnir. He is currently unworthy, and the hammer also was destroyed by Jane to destroy the Mangog. Mm, okay, 
So okay. the hammers that he uses in this are hammers, but they like keep breaking. Like mm-hmm. in the in this run on Thor, he goes through like three an issue, <laughs> and he has these he has people like making him hammers all the time. And it's kind of great. <laughs> it's fun. And it, even like that last panel in issue three, he has like a hilt and then like the bottom of a hammer. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, otherwise shattered to bits. It's pretty cool. I does he just carry like around like a supply of hammers? He's like that bit in the Matrix where he walks through the metal detector and they're like, "Did you remove any metal from your body?" And he opens his coat <laughs> and it's just like thirty hammers. See, I just like to imagine him with like a Mary Poppins hammer bag. <sighs> that would be good. <laughs> And but like he's got a drummage in there, but if he ever gets me on he just like holds his hand out and it like flies up out of the bag. Yeah, that would be great. Would love that. Just just pulling out really long hammers out of the bag. Handle super big. <laughs> We're both doing hand over hand frantically in our in our closet. Yeah. Oh. Just normal stuff. Yep. Mary Poppin' hammer bag. <laughs> Mary Poppin' hammer bag. <laughs> be good stuff it would be great one point he like pulls out like a hot dog something else random that attempted a grilled lobster mm-hmm. what went wrong with that lobster i don't know the beast defeated him that's all we get from it that's <laughs> all we get from jonathan hickman is the beast defeated him it's so sad <laughs> thor can defeat frost giants jonathan but... hickman we need more of that lobster content he hates lobsters and we know this <laughs> What is your grudge against lobsters, Jonathan? Jonathan Hickman, the lobster <laughs> hater. Well, Christy, are you ready to go on to our accolades? Accolades. All right, sweetheart. So what is your best line? My best line is Spider-Man. Uh-huh. When they are flying to Jotunheim, the realm of the the Frost Giants, they are all riding flying horses. I don't know if they're Pegasuses, but they are. Right. Because I think that's a Greek thing. But they have flying horses. Mm Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man has a helmet and a shield. And he says, what kind of loser goes into a battle with just a, oh, wait. And he kind of looks over at Cat. (laughs) With the shield. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was a good one. Oh, yeah, you saying that now, I'm like, maybe that's better than mine. But mine uh, comes from the snakes at the Sanctum Santorum, who, as the uh, like the, the people of New York are coming for refuge, uh, one of the snakes says, hey, girl, what's up? You evacuate here often? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm just like, it's the exact kind of like cheesy pickup line that, you know, like, would would make you laugh enough that like. I like it. I like cheesy pickup lines. And it's even better coming from a snake. <laughs> I didn't realize you liked such cheesy pickup lines. I really gotta I really gotta throw these out. You didn't realize that? Well, I I've always heard that using cheesy pickup lines is dumb, so I never did it. But I swear we've been through cheesy pickup lines and like laughed about them. Maybe, maybe when we were younger. Christy, you know that if I could rearrange the alphabet I'd put you and I together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, what about your greatest hero? Mine goes to Brynhilda. We got a daily double. Hit it, not the colorist of this issue, Matt D. Wilson. (laughs) 
Because she she held off Malekith, and that was real gruesome. She had like a sword sticking out of her, and I'm fairly certain he chopped her head off. I don't know. Yeah, we you don't see it. it. It just it just shinks. Yeah, I felt bad, but she was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna beat him." She looked so cool. Yeah, Brynhilda's very cool. I also like that they they decided to. A lot of times, I feel like Brynhilda is drawn as like fairly like average lady like build and height but mm-hmm. she looks like way taller than jane and i think that was a that was a good choice yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean i feel like jane should always look a little bit frail i think that's just kind of she should just be a small bean yeah and then Brunhilda's like big and tall and you know i like I like a little height difference <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> but very heroic. Chrissy is currently shipping Brynhilda and Jane Foster. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> what about your coolest moment? Mine is when Odin and the Valkyries come in on their horses yeah. in the double page spread. That is very cool. The first time I read it, like unbidden in my head, I heard like the like the the immigrant song. Yeah, I was like, yay! Was that before or after it was like already used in the in Thor three? Yeah, I don't know. I love the story of that where apparently um, Taika Waititi was in a meeting and played that song for execs, and he's like, "This is like what my like inspiration is for Thor." Mm. And they're like, "What's the song?" And he's like, "What?" <laughs> oh man! Oh well, my coolest moment. Um, Goes to when uh, we have uh, what it's Punisher and She Hulk and Freya and I don't remember if there was anybody else, but on the on Go- Ghost Rider's car, that is pretty pretty sweet. All of them rolling in and just like running over elves. Yeah, it's 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 a really fun panel, and Freya's just like. On the top of the car, crouched down. She looks so cool throughout this whole crossover. Freya is so cool. <sighs> yeah, uh, Jason Aaron did a lot to make Freya more than just like Thor's Thor's sweet mom. I like cool moms. <laughs> All the cool moms, please. <laughs> what is your Crusher Creel Award for silly villainy? Uh, my Crusher Creel Award for silly villainy goes to uh, Laufey for. Eating Loki. Yeah, just chomps him. I'm like, oh, that, that, that's one way to do it. There, daddy. <laughs> Christy calling Laufey daddy. Loki did it first. He did. <laughs> it, was... <laughs> it was gnarly. Yep. Kind of gross. It was a whole bunch. Yep. It, it wasn't all in one bite. No. Nope. There were legs sticking out. Ugh. Was it silly or was it gross? Either way, that's that's where my award goes. Where does your yours go? Mine goes to Malekith for disguising himself as Loki to lure Thor into Jotunheim. I feel like it was like there's another way that could like have an, happened. Yeah, like overly complicated. I'm like that was meant to trick us and not Thor. Yeah, <laughs> Thor is not smart. It probably would have just been like a dark elf going. Like, follow me to the Black Bifrost, and I'm just going through. You know, like, it wouldn't have taken that much. <laughs> and, like, the fact that he had, like, elves, like, follow him that Thor had to defeat to think he was saving. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Overly complicated. What mm-hmm. about your key of C? I'm cheating. It's also the flight of the Valkyries coming in. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It could also just be the song Flight of the Valkyries, the bump, but but. So when you asked me the question earlier about Thor being gone, I was like, oh, I can't spoil my, my key of C because that's my key of C. I want, I wanted like Thor, I wanted to see and have Thor's battle with the frost giants like dramatized in a musical number. Oh, uh, with reprises. Mm-hmm. Well, not, I mean, I just wanted to see. Oh, that. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like he could have had a really like moving ballad or even just like awesome action sequence of, of, of fighting giants. Yeah, that's true. It'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So plus, plus Thor singing just is real entertaining in my head. Is he a tenor? Uh, no, he's definitely that Barry. Okay. Is he, is he a baritone or is he Barry White who is not a baritone? <laughs> he's a baritone. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Bum, I don't bum, know. Bum, Maybe bum. he's a bass. He seems like he's got that that kind of deep presence, but mm-hmm. I, I think I think he can maybe hit some of those highs. Probably true. Now I'm just gonna think about Barry White with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Barry White with a hammer. I'm using it as like a like a microphone. If you get if you really good. <laughs> Fan art of Barry White with a microphone, fully or with Mic- a hammer mi- hammer microphone, please. We're, we're clearly losing our words. <laughs> Readers, that's going to wrap up this week's Chris's. We are thrilled that you listened with us again this week. Maybe this was your first, though. Everybody's episode, or every episode could be somebody's first episode. They're going to be really confused when they hear, like, a Galadriel voice coming in at the beginning. <laughs> I thought this was about comics. <laughs> well, readers, if you would like to get a hold of us in the meantime, you can find us at Facebook and at Twitter. Uh, at at Chris's pod. Mm-hmm. And if you've got longer form messages for us, you can email us at Chris's on infinite earths at gmail.com. We appreciate those five star reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. And if you leave a written review on the old iTunes, we will read it out on the show. Mm-hmm. And you can also support us monetarily at our Patreon or uh, through Kofi. Both of those have links in the show notes. We have a lot of cool levels. You can do things like make us cover a crossover or even permanently add an accolade onto the show, such as our Key of C award. Mm-hmm. And if we get to a high enough level, I will have to read Watchmen. Uh, $100 is Watchmen. $200 is Doomsday Clock, the ill-advised sequel to Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh share us with a friend. That that that's really probably one of the best ways to support us. I would yeah, I would prefer that almost more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Especially if I don't have to read Watchmen. Christy is fine. She doesn't want any more money. <laughs> Some of you can drop, that's fine too. Get your accolade and and, and, and leave. <laughs> Save me. <laughs> And until next time, slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.